um, that Satan is real. Uh, it doesn't matter what the world says, what the world thinks. He is real, and um, and we do have to deal with him. Uh, but we deal with him through the power of the Lord Jesus. So let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, uh, we know, Lord, this is a message that the enemy does not want proclaimed. That the enemy would rather hide in the shadows and just sneak up on us when we're not aware or send his demons to tempt us, to bring us down. That everything he does, he does to oppose you, your son, your spirit, to oppose your kingdom and to try to establish his own. And so may we learn lessons from the greatest failure that ever lived, Lucifer himself. And so I pray that as we study the word, we would not overestimate our enemy, but we would not underestimate him. And that you would enable us to put on the full armor of God to do battle with the evil one. But I know, Lord, that uh, the evil one wants me to preach this message today in my own strength. So I pray that you would anoint me with your spirit you would cancel the man and that your truth would be proclaimed despite the fallible preacher who proclaims the message. And I pray, Lord, that we would, we would never be deceived into thinking that flesh and blood, that humans are our, our real enemies, that we would understand that Satan and his demons, the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places, they're the real enemies, and our only defense against them is your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And so I just pray, Lord, that you anoint me to proclaim your truth. I pray that you give us a sense of your presence, because when you are present, the demons flee. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Well, at one time, Satan, at one time he may have been the highest being created. You know, that might be why he rebelled, because when God was unfolding his plan, there was going to be a, a human who was going to be raised above him, because we know the Lord Jesus, the God-man, is the firstborn over all creation. And so Lucifer didn't want uh, a, a demotion, didn't want to be set back, but he was created by God, but at one time he may have been the highest being that God created. And he was there in the garden. And he led mankind astray when he spoke through the serpent. He got permission from God to inflict Job the mess with Job. He tempted our Savior trying to get Jesus off of God's plan. And um, so he tempted our Savior. He sifted Peter as we had to get permission from God, but he sifted P 
Peter as wheat got Peter to deny Jesus three times. And Jesus prayed for Peter, and he bounced back. Um, I'm telling you, he, I don't need, I, I'm not even sure Satan knows my name, to be honest with you. He's not all-knowing, but I know he's dispatched lower-level demons to try to mess with anybody who's preaching his word. But believe me, Satan, whether he knows our names or not, he wants to sift each and every one of us like wheat. Okay? We cannot drop our guard. Okay? We've got to have the full armor of God on. Uh, he accuses us night and day before God's throne, yet he, he makes his rounds on earth. He roams the earth, seeking whom he may devour. He led one-third of the angels astray to oppose God and oppose God's uh, mission and God's kingdom. He disguises himself as an angel of light. We got to be careful. There are things that we're going to face in life that we think, man, this is really good. Hey, you got you to pray about it. You got to be careful because a lot of stuff that we're going to think, man, this is really good, could be something, a setup from the pits of hell. He disguises himself as an angel of light. He tempts us, he opposes God, and he sends his fallen angels, unclean spirits, demons, to attack us. But there is a Savior. His name is Jesus. He is the king. He is a good king. He's all-powerful. Satan's not all-powerful. And Jesus is going to come back and take his stand upon the earth. In the meantime, we need to rely upon the Lord Jesus for power over Satan and the demonic realm. Look at Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 2, Ephesians 2. We're going to look at several passages about Lucifer. Please learn the lesson of Lucifer. I mean, it's impossible for a created thing to master the creator. Now, Satan's smarter than me, so he should know that. In fact, I would argue he does know it. And so one of the lessons we can learn when we look at the career of Satan, if you will, is that often our will and our desires will override our intellect. Okay? There are times we do stupid stuff because we desire things that are outside of God's will for us. Um, but he is the adversary. He is the one who opposes God. Now, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, and he made alive, he, and, he, and you he made alive, God made us alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. So he's talking about how God saved us. But before we were saved, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so Satan here is called the prince of the power of the air. He's the one who sets the course of this world. When you, when you say yes to Jesus, you say no to the world. You say no to Satan and to his kingdom. 
I mean, it was prophesied in the garden when, when Satan spoke through the serpent and led Adam and Eve astray, God promised there would be a man born of woman who would crush the head of the serpent, but would be bruised in the process. Prediction of a suffering Savior, the Lord Jesus, who would come and, uh, and rescue us. Um, but this whole world is a fallen world. Uh, in fact, it's to the point. Look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And even if our gospel is veiled, even if our gospel is hidden, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age, the God of this world, has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. And so Satan is called the God of this age, the God of this world. We, we've got to be, if you're going to serve God, you've got to be in the business of smashing idols. And there's a false God ruling over this world. And he's big into politics. He's got, I would, I would argue, he's got all the governments of this world right now, even Amer the American government and the Israeli government, every government on earth he's got in the palm of his hand right now. And um, that's why I, I pray, like for the Ukraine, I pray for the Ukrainian people. I pray even for the, the Russian soldiers. I pray, I pray for people, freedom-loving people who just want to be left alone. But I'm telling you, the governments of this world are demonic. And uh, if you do a little digging, you're going to find our, our government's got a whole lot of demonic aspects to it. Anytime you get um, a leader who is actually wants to, loves the people, wants to stand up for the people, you look how our government, instead of spying on Russia and China, they'll spy on him. Things are crazy. It's, it's demonic. In the book of Daniel, we saw that, where Satan would send high-ranking demons to control the government leaders. They're so intertwined. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, verse 4. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 4. Actually, it's 2 Corinthians 11, verse 14. It says, and no wonder... For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Some translations read he disguises himself as an angel of light. So if Satan manifested himself in a physical way right now, okay, more than likely um, he would look more like uh, Luke Skywalker than he would Darth Vader, okay? He's going to look like a good guy. And he's going to put ideas in your head, and you're going to think, man, that's a good idea. Okay? So you've got to put on the mind of Christ. You've got to be in the Word because Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You've got to see through uh, the deception there. Uh, look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. In verse 44, and Jesus there is talking to the Jewish religious leaders. 
Remember, they were interpreting the Old Testament legalistically. They were looking for rules and regulations. They should have been interpreting the Old Testament Christocentrically. They should have been looking for Jesus in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament prophecies, the Old Testament types. And so look at what, what Jesus tells the, the leader. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He goes all the way back to the beginning in the garden and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is the father of all lies. And so Satan opposes God, leads mankind astray. He wants to be God. 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8. Peter found this out the hard way. First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant. We got to be alert. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I'm sure he didn't just come for Peter on that one day. I'm sure he came for Peter quite a few times. You know, it would... The Phil Fernandez of this world, he's probably got lower-level demons coming, looking for me. You know, they might even, we, we might even have a couple little demons tasked with just messing with us all day long, putting thoughts in our heads. And But I say they're little wimp demons next to Satan, but they're still far superior to us in intelligence and power. So you don't, you don't even t- try to take on lower-level demons in your own power. You call on the Lord Jesus Christ. The only authority we have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. I have seen huge, powerful men back down from little men time and time again. If the little, if the little man has a badge, has a pistol as his side, at his side, and represents the law, I have seen big six foot eight, 280-pound guys tremble, Okay. They're not afraid of the little police officer. They fear the law. They fear the authority in which he comes. And so we have to go in the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. The demons, even the wimp demons, even the lower demons, they're not afraid of you. They're not afraid of me. Okay? But they fear they, they, they fear the name of the Lord Jesus. Just to mention of our king's name, and they tremble. Some are so nasty that if they're possessing somebody, they won't come out unless there's been prayer and fasting. But at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow, and they're trying to put it off. But that day is coming when every knee will bow to King Jesus. And um, so he... Opposes God, leads mankind astray, wants to be God, wants to be worshipped. We'll take a look at that. He roams freely, seeking whom he may devour. Um, I mean, Jesus talked about that in Luke. He's told Peter, he said, Satan has requested to sift you as wheat. But when you have come back, 
shepherd my, you know, I've prayed for you. And then when you make a comeback, shepherd the flock. Um, I'm telling you, you know, if you're a true believer, you're going to withstand the attacks of Satan, but not because of your own strength. But it's a he, it's a Hebrew seven twenty five thing. Hence also, Jesus is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. He's not able to save you forever because you're such a good guy or such a good gal. He's able to save you forever because He intercedes for you. And right now, Jesus is interceding for us. He's praying for us right now. And um, uh, look at John 17, verse 15. John 17 and verse 15. Jesus is praying for his apostles, and then he goes into praying for all of the disciples that are going to come after that, which includes us. In John 17, verse 15 he says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. Just think about that. I mean, look, look at King David. What a great example he was to the Jewish people. Man after God's own heart. God never called me a man after God's own heart. God never called you a man or a woman after God's own heart. But God called David that, a man who was passionately in love with God. And you know what Satan did? He took that passion and he twisted it. A man after God's own heart fell to the sins of adultery and murder, murder of his one, one of his most loyal guys, Uriah the Hittite, um, None of us are safe. None of us are safe. And we have to think about that. The, the, the more people that you impact, that look up to you, that you disciple. You know, the Bible says teachers incur stricter judgment. You got to say to yourself, wait a minute, if I fall, how many people are going to be hurt by that? How, what kind of a stumbling block could I be to others? Okay. And if a man after God's own heart could fall, if Peter could deny Jesus three times, tough Peter, then what makes us think that, that we're safe? The Satan wants to, he wants to sift us all as we, and so it's just it's like when I think about that, I think about that responsibility. You know, I teach high school kids and stuff. I don't want to be a stumbling block to them. You don't want to be a stumbling block to those who look to you and all. And so some, sometimes I actually tell the Lord, I say, Lord, you know, why don't you just take me home right now? You know, because, you know, the well done, thou good and faithful servant, that doesn't come till the end. Noah got drunk and naked. You know, he's hundreds of years old. And, uh, and so sometimes I, I think, you know, Lord, just, just take, take me out of the world. Take us out of the world. And it, but Jesus said, no. He's going to leave his people, his disciples in the world. I don't want the, the Father to take them out of the world, 
but I want the Father to keep them or protect them from who? The evil one. Okay? Don't drop your guard. The evil one is Roman earth. He's either, he's either in heaven accusing you before God's throne, or right now he's Roman freely seeking whom he may devour. Peter learned the hard way. David learned the hard way. Noah learned the hard way. Guess what? Because God wrote his word to us, we can learn the easy way. Learn from their mistakes, okay? Uh, but don't underestimate the enemy, okay? Um, he accuses believers in heaven. In Job 1 and 2, he, when the sons of God, the angelic beings, were presenting themselves before God's throne, Satan was with them. And then God made this suggestion. He said, hey, have you, have you considered my servant Job? Why don't you mess with him? I'm like, I don't want to get promoted like that, you know. Um, uh, but Satan's, Satan's there accusing the brethren. The book of Zechariah, Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua the high priest, Satan, Satan's in heaven accusing them. Revelation chapter 12, the, the whole chapter talks about Satan in heaven accusing the brethren. And uh, in fact, look at Revelation 12. Revelation 12 explains a lot if we would just take it at face value, which almost nobody does. There's actually two evacuations of heaven mentioned in Revelation chapter 12. The first one, Satan and his angels voluntarily leave heaven to try to kill the Christ child. And they fail, and Jesus ascends to heaven. He's finished the work that he's done. The next time that they leave heaven is for good, and that's when Michael the archangel and his angels defeat Lucifer, Satan, and his angels and cast them down to the earth. So look at Revelation 12, 9. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old. I remember I was studying the Bible as a new believer, and I thought, well, where does the Bible even say that Satan spoke to the serpent? Maybe the serpent is a different evil entity than, than Satan is. And then I get to Revelation 12, and I had to read a, read a whole lot before I got to I should, It should have given me a clue. It said he was a murderer from the beginning. Well, who's the bad guy around in the beginning? Okay? But, um, but Revelation 12, verse 9, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And then verse 12, Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. And then it talks about him pouring his wrath on mankind for that three-and-a-half-year period as he persecutes the woman, the nation of Israel, in that passage, okay? And, and those who trust in Jesus. Uh, and so in the last days, he's going to, you know, empower the Antichrist and, and do his damage. Uh, but when you look at that, in verse 9, uh, 
Actually, where is it that it says, uh, oh, it says in verse 10, talking about Lucifer, who accused them, the followers of Christ, before our God day and night has been cast down. Okay? So he is the accuser. He accuses believers in heaven, but he will come down to earth um, with his full wrath. This is a, I mean, this guy has been at work a long time. He was in the garden leading mankind astray, and he's going to be there empowering the Antichrist and the one-world demonic government of the last days. Uh, let's look at two passages here, Isaiah 14. Now, remember I said that Satan is really into politics, okay? Every once in a while, you'll get political leaders or former government that'll side with the good angels. Uh, but it goes south real quick, okay? And, um, and so here, the prophet Isaiah is prophesying the fall of the king of Babylon, okay? But then he says some things about the king of Babylon that don't seem to apply to the king himself, but seem to apply to the power behind the king of Babylon. So Isaiah 14, verses 12 to 14, Oh, how, uh, uh, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. The Lucifer means like the morning star. You know, so some of the titles of Lucifer are very close to some of the titles of Jesus. Because Lucifer had such a high-ranking position before he fell. And then Jesus, God the Son, now that he became a man, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the dead to conquer death for us, ascended to heaven, sits at the Father's right hand, and then will return. Jesus has now won the right to be the firstborn over all creation. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Now, the Most High is El Elyon. That is the title of God where he is the highest high one. He is the strongest strong one. He is the most powerful one. Don't let Satan fool you. He's just in it for the power. And you might say, well, come on, Pastor Phil. I'm not dumb enough to think that Satan really loves us. Obviously, Satan's just in it for the power. Okay, if we're not that dumb, how come we keep electing politicians just because they say they love us? And then we find out they're just in it for the power. And then guess what? We find out who they're working for. And sometimes they let the cat out of the bag. Like what, uh, Pfizer? I don't know if you saw. I, I had to turn the television station off. Tucker Carlson showed a clip of it. It was borderline pornographic, but it was a, um, a satanic dance, satanic ritualistic dance with transgenderism and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's like, Okay, we don't have to wonder which side you're on now. 
It seems like every time those who want global government, it's why? It's because they love us. You know, they want to reduce our carbon footprints while Bill Gates flies all over the world in his private jet. Bill Gates wants us to eat bugs and not meat. Oh, he loves us. No, they don't love us. They build a tunnel from Great Britain to Europe. They do the, put on this ritualistic, satanic, Wiccan, immoral ceremony. It is happening time and time again. You know, if you ask me, did you watch the Super Bowl? Yeah, I watched the Super Bowl. What did you think of, uh, of um, the halftime show? I don't know anymore. I think the last one I... What was it, Michael Jackson did one or something? <laughs> so I haven't watched them in decades, man. It's just like, it just, I know where they're coming from. I don't know if this one was any better than the other ones. I just personally don't care. I just want to watch the football game, okay? But um, um, Satan's just in it for the power. He doesn't love you. Well, if I could just step outside of God's will in this area or that area, then everything would be great. No, the one who's telling you that? He doesn't love you, okay? Um, and we, we, we got to pray for our leaders. The Bible commands us, pray for our leaders. But they don't love you anymore. Okay, they're, they're not as stupid as it looks. Like, every decision blows up in our face and hurts America. Well, if they're smart enough to win elections, they know the consequences of their decisions. They're bringing us down. America's got to come down for there to be a global state. And in the end times, it will be the Antichrist ruling, demon-possessed man ruling that global state, ruling the world. And uh, But just as Satan doesn't love you, he's just in it for the power. His ministers, and they're all over this world, they don't love you. And they're just in it for the power too. Satan wants to be worshipped. He wants to conquer, defeat God, and he wants to be El Elyon. He wants to be the strongest, strong one. He should know better. He's not all-powerful. Only Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Peter, Paul, and John, the God of you, the God of me, only he is all-powerful. Uh, look up uh, Ezekiel. 28, you might be saying, oh, you know, Pastor Phil, you're supposed to be talking about Satan. You keep talking on political stuff. It's like, well, two things. Number one, I'm the, you know, if, if, if President Biden told me, say, hey, stay in your lane, bro. I'm like, hey, I'm in the same lane I was in since the day I was started preaching. Why don't you stay in your lane? And so we got political leaders that are trying to turn the state into, deify the state and get us to worship the state, but when you preach about Satan and you preach against Satan, you got to preach against political power. Um, the king of Babylon's getting slammed, and then all of a sudden, God starts addressing the power behind the king of Babylon, and he turns out he's Lucifer. Okay, and it's going to be the same here with the king of Tyre. Uh, God makes a proclamation against the king of Tyre, a human king. But who's the power behind this, this evil human king? Again, it's Satan. And so uh, Ezekiel 28, verses 12 to 17, 
Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Now, the king of Tyre was never in the garden of Eden and was never perfect. So whoever the power behind the king of Tyre is, he was in the garden of Eden and he was perfect at one point. You were in the Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipers was prepared for you on the day you were created. Never forget, Satan was created. There's only one creator, the triune God. You are the anointed cherub. That's one of the types of angels. In fact, after Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden to prevent them from getting back to the, the uh, tree of life, uh, God stationed cherubim with flaming swords. You are the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You are on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You are perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. So he's talking about the king of Tyre, and then all of a sudden he starts dealing with the ultimate power behind the king of Tyre and his throne, and it turns out to be the liar, the murderer, the deceiver who's been there from the beginning, from the Garden of Eden, who led uh, mankind astray. Um, let me tell you, this whole passage stinks of pride. At that point, Satan was probably the most beautiful thing that God had created. And instead of thanking God, for making him a beautiful creature, he focused on his beauty and got so much pride, had so much pride that he wanted to be king rather than submitting to the triune God. Okay? This is why James says in James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Pray for humility. Pray for humility. You're not going to have a lot of fun. God will, he'll, he'll answer that prayer. Pray for wisdom, he'll give it to you. You pray for humility, God will give it to you. Um, I remember praying for humility. Um, and uh, everybody remembers our friend uh, Brad Bogle and his dad. It was his memorial service. And I was really praying for humility because I... I I've always been a prideful guy, not as prideful as I used to be, but God still got a lot of work to do on me. And um, so I was at the memorial service at the golf club, and then uh, uh, a mom walks up to me with her little daughter dressed as a princess, a pink, 
pink dress and a tiara and I think she even had a wand or something. I don't know. And uh, and the mom walks up. She's like kindergarten girl. And the mom walks up and says, excuse me, do you teach at Cross Point? You know, the high school, which was right down the block from the, from the um, golf course. And I said, yeah, I, I teach over there. She said, well, what's your name? I said, well, Phil Fernandez, but uh, they call me Doc. And as soon as I said they call me Doc, the little girl looked up, the little princess, and she staggered back against her, her mom. And I thought, oh, wow. And that's not, everybody knows Doc. Doc is such an important guy. Everybody knows who Doc is. And even the kindergarten, I don't teach him till ninth or 10th grade. The kindergarten kids know who Doc is. So when I, I said they call me Doc, she backed up against her mom. There came out my pride. And I said, oh, she recognizes my name. And then the mom got real embarrassed and real red in the face and said, uh, actually, she's a Snow White fan. She thinks you're one of the seven dwarfs. And uh, so, so, so if you go home, you go home tonight and you pray for humility, God will give it to you. You might not, uh, you know, thank him with a big smile on your face, but, uh, but God can use, God can use a little kindergarten princess. The humble, half Portuguese, half Italian guy from Jersey who got saved, and uh, we got we got to beg God. God wants those who have broken hearts and broken spirits and contrite hearts. They're the ones He looks upon, and that's the antithesis of the pride that Satan had. Okay. We got to be thankful to God, not prideful, okay? And um, and so so there you have it with Lucifer. Um, uh, he, I, there's people that believe in an old universe. I don't. I believe in the young universe. So I don't think Satan fell like billions of years ago or anything like that. I think that the fall of Satan might be when he decided, okay, I'm going to lead mankind astray. And um, ancient Jewish tradition that even predates Jesus was that once Satan heard that God's plan was for these superior beings, angels, to minister to inferior beings, humans, and then at some point the glorified humans are going to be promoted and rule over and judge the angels. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, that don't you know we will judge the angels someday? And Jewish tradition was Satan said, I, I'm, no, no, that's not a good plan. We're more powerful than these humans. Um, uh, we're not going there. We're going to do um, our own thing. I got a better plan. And then many of the angels probably sided with him um, at, at that point. Uh, but whatever the case, he was in the Garden of Eden and perfect. And then he sinned. Iniquity and violence was found in him. And uh, now the final destination uh, of angels, good angels will be in heaven and fellowship with God forever. But fallen angels and Satan will be in the eternal lake of fire. Look at Matthew 25. Matthew 25.
In verse 41, he's judging the sheep and the goats. You know, if you really love Jesus, you're, you're going to love the people he created, and you're going to serve others, okay? So whatever you do to the Lord in God's kingdom, that you've done for the Lord, but the, the goats prove that they don't believe by not serving others. Uh, Matthew twenty five forty one. Then he, Jesus, will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Yeah, bad news. There, there's a place called hell. If you're not going to trust in Jesus, you'll end up in there forever, tormented day and night. No possibility of being delivered from there, okay? Um, but isn't it interesting that God created the eternal lake of fire for Satan and his angels? We don't have to go there. God has provided a way for us to be saved. And through the Lord Jesus, his death and resurrection. Now look at Revelation chapter 20. Because I think this, this Revelation chapter 20 explains so much. Um, I think we read it before in this study. We're going to read it again. Revelation 20. I just take, you know, I will get slammed by those who don't agree with me, that don't, that don't believe that Jesus will literally reign on the earth for a thousand years. I can find, I can show you early church fathers who taught it. Um, I think the Bible clearly Jesus will reign on the earth, from Jerusalem, over the entire earth for a thousand years. But that's what it says in Revelation 20. Revelation 19, Jesus returns amidst the clouds and power and glory. He defeats the Antichrist and the false prophet. And then Revelation chapter 20, starting at verse 1, Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit, that's the abyss, and a great chain in his hand, he laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. So when Jesus comes back, Revelation 19, he's going to throw the Antichrist and false prophet alive into the lake of fire. But he's going to send an angel to imprison Satan, and, and he's going to bind him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. So there's, there are angels that roam freely, fallen angels that roam freely. They have access into heaven, and they can torment and possess people on earth and tempt people on earth, okay? But there are also certain angels, a group of angels that went too far, they crossed the line, which God said, no, you don't, you don't, you go that far, forget about waiting for the final judgment. I'm going to chain you up in the abyss, the bottomless pit. And uh, they're spoken about in different passages. I think that they were angelic beings of Genesis chapter 6 who had this horrible conspiracy uh, to cohabit with human females and produce a hybrid race. Um, 
many Christians disagree. Um, but when you look at passages like 1 Peter 3, verses 18 to 22, that Jesus, after the resurrection, he went and preached to the spirits in prison who were disobedient in the days of Noah. Second uh, Peter 2, 4, and 5, talk about it as well. We'll look at Jude 6 and 7. So there's, there's something that Peter and Jude, uh, something that angels did that was a horrible, gruesome thing, and because of it, God chained them up in the abyss. So you have demons, fallen angels that roam freely, and then you have some fallen angels who are chained. And so look at what Jude says, Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, verses 6 and 7, and the angels who did not keep their proper domain. What does that mean? They say they somehow left their proper domain, the spiritual realm, but left their own abode. He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, that's when the homosexuals, the violent homosexuals of Sodom, wanted to rape um, the uh, angels who had manifested themselves physically and were visiting with Lot to rescue Lot and his family. And it says, and they're set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So there are some... Um, fallen angels that have in one, some way or fashion, regardless of how you uh, interpret Genesis chapter 6, who the sons of God are, regardless of how you interpret that, there are certain fallen angels that went so far that God chained them up in the abyss. Satan isn't one of them. He roams freely right now. His access down when Jesus comes back, He's going in the abyss for a thousand years, okay? And um, um, this is why, well, just, just look at Luke 8, verses 30 to 33. Luke chapter 8, verses 30 to 33. Is it? Guy is demon-possessed. Jesus asked him, saying, what is your name? And he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now, I heard of many swine was feeding there on the mountains. So they begged him that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. Then the demons went out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. Why would these demons beg Jesus not to send them into the abyss? Because they knew certain fallen angels had gone too far. And God said, enough is enough. You're not going to wait around to the final day. I'm locking you up, okay? But keep in mind, the abyss, the bottomless pit, is not the final destiny of Satan and the fallen angels. It's a temporary place of bondage for some fallen angels who are so wicked that they cross certain boundaries that led God to imprison them until the end times. 
By the way, there's the locusts that get released, the torment man in Revelation chapter 9, they come from the abyss. So these disgusting entities um, uh, might be released for a short time before the return of Christ, okay? Uh, but back in Revelation 20, so Satan gets locked up in the abyss for a thousand years. Then in verse 4 of Revelation 20, And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the, So Christ is going to reign on earth for a thousand years. By the way, we'll be reigning as well. You look at other passages, the 12 apostles are going to reign over the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, but the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. So the first resurrection of believers, they go into the millennium. The second resurrection, you don't want to be part of that. Blessed and holy is he who is part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. Now, when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison. Again, the abyss is a temporary place of torment. See, whenever I deal with Satan worshipers, they think Satan's already in hell. When Satan's in hell, he's going to have the lowest place in hell. Okay? He's not going to be relevant. He's not going to be able to mess with us. But even before that, when he's in the abyss, he, he won't be able to mess with us. So they think if there's enough human sacrifices and enough people who worship Satan, Satan will be released from hell and defeat Jesus and then give them whatever they want forever and ever. That's baloney. That's baloney. The reason why Satan is so powerful today is he's not chained up in the abyss yet and he's not in the lake of fire yet. Um, now, when the thousand years have been expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations, nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the, the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. They were thrown there a thousand years earlier and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then it moves on into the great white throne judgment. Then I saw, so, so Jesus returns, throws the antichrist and false prophet into the lake of fire. Then he reigns on earth for a thousand years while Satan is bound in the abyss, the bottomless pit. Then Satan gets released, leads one final revolt. Jesus defeats him, and uh, then Satan gets thrown into the lake of fire, and then comes the great white throne judgment. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven had fled away, and there was no found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books, the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, 
and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So Hades is not hell, is not the lake of fire. Hades, that, that temporary place where humans go who haven't trusted in Jesus for salvation. But keep in mind, when Jesus announced to the disciples, when he said, when he said Peter, you got it right, I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, he said, upon this rock, I'll build my church. He was at Caesarea Philippi, the headquarters of the false god Pan, the god of the netherworld, okay? He said, upon this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Uh, we get our depiction of Satan from the depiction of Pan with the forked tail and the horns and the pitchfork and all that stuff. Um, Yet, Satan, like this false god Pan, the Christians, Christians' own early church almost equated the two, he rules over Hades. He's not going to rule over hell. The lake of fire, Satan will get the lowest place. Different degrees of punishment in hell, just as there's different degrees of rewards um, in heaven. And, um, but... I'm telling you, when Jesus said, uh, upon this rock I'll build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. He's talking, he's using war vocabulary. So never, ever fool yourself into thinking that you're not at war. If you've signed on the dotted line and you've trusted in the Lord Jesus for salvation, then you need to recognize we are at war. We have to, when we signed on and said, I belong to King Jesus, you declared war against Satan and his minions. Okay? Um, Jude tells us in verses 8 and 9 about Michael, even Michael the archangel didn't want to lock horns with Lucifer. Instead, he said, the Lord rebuke you. We got to go in the name of Jesus. And when we go into spiritual battle, we have to have on the full armor of God. We cannot defeat Satan and his demons in our own strength. We must combat Satan in the strength and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Ephesians 6, we'll close with this. Ephesians 6, You know, this is going to conclude our study in basic Christian beliefs. You show me a preacher who doesn't believe in the existence of Satan, I'll show you a preacher who's not preaching the gospel, okay? By the way, things are getting so bad in this world, people are now moving towards Jesus because they've seen Satan so active in the world, okay? I'm talking about people like Naomi Wolf. Now, she's, she's Jewish in her faith. But she's, she says, man, Satan has to exist with everything that's going on today with our political leaders. And this lady started on the far left, a radical woman's liver. But Ephesians 6, starting at verse 10, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're not strong in our own might. We've got to be strong in the power of the Lord. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. 
not against humans, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battle is against Satan and his demons. You might look in a mirror and say, man, I'm, I'm not tough enough to battle them. Well, David wasn't tough enough to battle Goliath. That's why he said the battle is the Lord's. And that's what we got to say. How do we take on the full armor of God? Verse 13, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So when you stand firm in battle, after the battle's over, you still got to remain standing. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Are you a person of truth? Or you like fake news? You like lies? You got to be a person of truth. Truth about God. Truth about his word. Truth about salvation. Truth about man's fallenness. Truth about yourself. Don't be a hypocrite. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you in paths of righteousness? And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, are you prepared right now to share the gospel message? You should be able right now, a believer, I don't care if you've been saved for a week, you should be able to present a 20-minute gospel message to your neighbor if, if time permits. And if time doesn't permit, you should be able to share a three-minute message. And if time doesn't permit, maybe a one-minute message, maybe even a 30-second message. But are you prepared to share the gospel of peace? Do you pray for God to bring people your way? Do you go out when you, when you go shopping and all, look for different ways to speak a little bit of Jesus into their lives? Above all, taking the shield of faith. It's not your faith is real powerful. It's, it's the object of your faith. You put your faith in yourself, you're toast. You put your faith in King Jesus, you win. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. He's shooting darts at us right now. Where, where's your shield of faith? And take the helmet of salvation. You know, you got salvation, it protects the head. You know, thoughts can enter into our head. We can get lethal blows to the head. Uh, we need that protection, and that protection is salvation through Jesus and the sword of the Spirit, the only offensive weapon, which is the Word of God. You, you know what they call a Marine who doesn't know how to use his rifle? An ex-Marine. He's gone. He's worthless to the Marine Corps, Okay. Uh, we've got to be grounded in God's word, sword of the spirit, and then praying always with all power and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Do you have on the helmet of salvation? Are you prepared? Are you grounded in the word? Do you have the sword of the spirit, the word of God? Are you a prayer warrior? Uh, do you have the shield of faith? Are you prepared to share the gospel message? Um, do you have the breastplate of righteousness? Are you a person of truth? Because if you don't have all of those things, you're not ready for spiritual battle. And don't tell me, well, Pastor Phil, I'll get the full armor of God on. Just give me a month, and then I'll enter into spiritual battle in a month. Guess what, brothers? Guess what, sisters? That's too late. You're in battle right now. Okay? You're in battle right now. 
And the authority, the only authority we have is the authority of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus, because of Jesus, not because of us, not because of Peter, not because of the early church, but because of who Jesus is, Jesus could say, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Jesus declared war on Satan. And when you trusted in Jesus for salvation, you enlisted in that war to fight for the kingdom of God against the forces of evil. And the good news is our victory is guaranteed because the lamb who was slain is the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lamb who was slain is the risen king of kings and Lord of Lords, the Lamb who was slain has conquered the grave. And the world doesn't believe it, but he's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to make things right on the planet Earth. He's going to imprison Satan, and he's going to reign upon the Earth for a thousand years. And if you belong to Jesus, he'll reign with him. Let us close with a word of prayer.